What you about to witness is my thoughts. Just my thoughts, man. So yeah, we'll just start a conversation, kind of walk through your background. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a great day. I apologize in advance. I'm a little bit stuffy today. I'm getting over. It's either a man cold or a sinus infection. I'm not really sure, but we're here. We're going to work through the pain. Today, I got my friend, Mr. Lucas McCabe. He's going to talk to us about all sorts of things. You might want to get your notebook out because your mind's going to be blown a few times at least. Lucas, what's up, brother? That's what I like doing is blowing minds. Hey, I'm Lucas McCabe. Um, I've been uh, here in Indianapolis for all my life, and uh, I've been uh, been di- digging deep into the microbiome research, which is like pretty much the most prevailing field of research known to man right now that uh, I believe that everyone should be studying to some small degree or another. It is uh, quite the field. Too. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at trends as far as like some of the most important health and wellness trends, this is number one and number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I first want to start kind of with your background. So you're from, you're from Minneapolis. You're a former runner. I don't know if you still train or not, but um, yeah. former runner, probably the most shredded guy in Indianapolis. <laughs> the guy's got hair like Thor. It's just, uh, you know, if there's a poster boy for what health and fitness looks like, it's probably Lucas. Um, so, I mean, tell us about your background. You used to run, like train, you were like really good, right? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, started my running, you know, career back, or, you know, career, quote unquote, back in uh, high school and uh, ran cross country and track and just got really obsessed with that, you know, found I was pretty good at it and just uh, could take a lot of pain. So I continued that, you know, outside after high school um, and started running marathons and half marathons and uh, got to the point where I was running about 233 marathons. So, I mean, I was training, uh, you know, 80 to 100 mile weeks on a regular basis. And I always had this innate nature to like push myself beyond, you know, the pre pre-composed limits that we all kind of limit ourselves to. And so my, for myself, I always kind of even, even endured the cold, like love embracing the elements to the point. I like to push the body to see what it can take because I, I feel like in this side, we limit ourselves to a very large degree. And um, ever since then, like I just, my sense of discovery has kind of exploded in regards to how we can um, change our bodies at our, with our, with our minds, you know, our, the microbiome is very, uh, changeable along with our brains, you know, through neuroplasticity, through rewiring our brains, the microbiome is the end all be all in finding out what we can do to hack our bodies and make us feel on top of the world all day, every day. Cause I feel great all day, every day. And that's why I want other people to experience, you know, I yeah. didn't always feel like this. I always felt like kind of claw, you know, uh, clouded in my early years of life. Like I wasn't, you know, the smartest kid in class. I was, you know, I was that kid that always kind of fell behind. A lot of things mm-hmm. were very hard for me in life, especially mentally speaking. And the thing is the microbiome really changing how I eat from a day-to-day basis. It changed my life to such a large degree. It's like, it's, it's really hard to uh, put into words. I remember uh, kind of when you first started getting into this. So <laughs> when, when we met, you were training at LA Fitness uh, where I was going at the time. <clears throat> And um, I remember one day you came up to me and you're like, dude, I got this. And then you're just like <laughs> rattling off all this stuff. You're making like smoothies that were just like the healthiest thing known mm-hmm. to man. Yeah. And then like ever since then, I've just seen your, your brain has just exploded with so much different information. 
Uh, like back when you were training at LA Fitness, remember you were like what one fifty five, but deadlifting like three times your body weight. Yeah, yeah, times? yeah. I was hitting four seventy five, uh, upwards of five hundred pounds. You know, on a good day, you know, without destroying my back. So I mean, that's one of those things that like I used to uh, like a lot of things I used to do back in the day. I did wrong, you know, physiologically speaking. I used to push my body a little too hard too, and you know that's bit me in the ass, you know, several times. And so I have had to really learn from my mistakes because you know the failures that we live from day to day as cliche as it sounds, are the best learning lessons mm-hmm. for us to realize what we are, you know, I mean, when I fail, which I expect to fail on a regular basis, you know, maybe I'm not on track on where I need to be, but, you know, those failures lead me to learn and uh, just keep pushing along because I realize that this science, like, is that, like, we never learned back in high school. We never learned mm-hmm. back in school. So this is all new age science that, like, literally, it's, it, it's, it's, it's scary because it's, like, it's one of those things that we don't realize how not much not in control we are Mm -hmm. as human beings it kind of removes your sense of self and this is kind of a new field like I feel like um if you look at the microbiome like even if you just look on like google trends Mm. it's kind of really just become I don't want to say mainstream because it's not even mainstream yet but it's becoming like 10 years ago nobody was talking about Mm. the microbiome even three years ago very few people were now it's like Exploding. Yeah, no, about like 20 years ago, uh, not even 20 years ago, back at like, so back in 2000, you had about, I think it was like 60 peer-reviewed articles published on the microbiome. It's just kind of, they started to see that, hey, th- there's a system in our body that actually acts on its own. Like, so it has its own enteric nervous system relatively to just like the central nervous system that, you know, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So we actually have this other nervous system that acts completely on its own without central nervous system input. And so, like, this is all within the last 10, 15 years. And, like, I'm starting to realize that all the textbooks are going to have to be rewritten because literally the, we're finding that the, the microbes are the, the hidden half of nature that is right in front of us at all times, everywhere around us, in the air we breathe. And we are not understanding how they have such a, a massive control over intellects because they're so small. How could they have? But mm-hmm. when you have 100 trillion plus microorganisms, uh, fungi, protozoa, bacteria, and viruses that... We actually have our own virome, our own virus, you know, back, uh, like like uh, genome. We have our own fungi genome. I mean, so, it, so what you're saying, just for just to put it in the pl- the plainest terms possible, is we have like <laughs> we have parasites, bacteria living mm-hmm. inside of our inside Gross, of our body yeah. mm-hmm. that are regulating the way we feel, mm-hmm. behave, every the way our body works. Mm-hmm. Just little, basically, and germs inside of us. Yeah, that yeah. Are controlling all that. I'll, I'll uh, break it down from from uh, like the base foundation, especially with like microbiology and understanding this, because it, it seems like an in depth field. It seems very complex, but once you get deep enough into it, you just realize how how many of the diseases of overabundance are related to how our microbes live from day to day. So, microbiome is essentially the collection of uh, genomic parts within a given like area so it's all the genetic material within a given area it, microbiomes are everywhere i don't even like to isolate microbiome to our guts because microbiomes i'm, I'm looking at your mouth microbiome right now okay. and you're, you have, even have an eye microbiome you, you a lot of people have like two, two bacterial mm-hmm. species that keeps them from getting pink, pink like pink eye and other things that actually irritate the eyes so we have these antimicrobial peptides that they produce in our eyelids that allows us to be able to see clearly every day you know, they're looking at, the, you know, the, a lot of these 
bacterial species as like root cause of like further long, long down the line conditions like glaucoma. Anyways, let me bring, let me bring it back down to. So we have about 100 trillion microbes in our in our guts, on our skin, our nose, and our respiratory tracts. We, all these previously thought sterile areas in our bodies are not so sterile after all. We've even seen that we have a, we may have a brain microbiome that's still early in the evidence and in, in trying to understand where this is evolving to because like literally we are discovering that the liver has a, has a microbiome, like, you know, being able to uh, fend off certain pathogens and, and, and like, resist necro like necrosis in other areas of the body are essential for the bacteria to, like, proliferate. So we all have these, all these bacteria that we, I mean, we used to think that, like, any, any, any bacteria is bad. bad. Right. Exactly. And that's been the prevailing thing for the last 150 years or so. Understandably so, because it's caused the mass pandemics. It's killed more people than people have killed people, you know? That's, I mean, that's a tall task. Yeah. <laughs> So it's one of those things we need to uh, understand that, you know, they, antibiotics have been a saving grace for humanity, but it's also going to be a downfall if we don't realize that all these microbes that we've had on our bodies for all of like hundreds of millions of years, they've cohabitated with us as like symbionts, which are like s creatures that basically work with us. They give us nutrition. They help digest our foods. They help uh, make us feel good. They produce neurotransmitters, serotonin, uh, dopamine, GABA, uh, acetylcholine. These are all neurotransmitters that help you function from day to day. And without them, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. You know? That's wild. So these little organisms are mm -hmm. living inside of us, and they're one of the most crucial parts of our biology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're your barrier defenses. They're why you don't get sick. All, they're why you're basically able to, like, do anything really because like without them we would be nothing like they would we that cohabitation being able to survive the elements and the environment is you know it's pretty uh it wants to pretty, kill you right right and you know it almost wanted to kill you over the weekend apparently with that cold that yeah, you got. Right. <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm fighting it right right and uh, you know that happens you know but we can also uh, so how i kind of look at it like Acute infections, like say, uh, like pathogenic infections, like um, pneumonia, and you know, just getting upper respiratory illnesses in general. You could almost say it's a, it's a chronic infection in general, because chronically speaking, you you got your body to a point where it couldn't actually fight off those bacteria that are in the environment. So it's all about establishing uh, preventative effects to be able to harness an optimal microbiome to be able to fend off any pathogen in the environment. And over the course of our lives, from when we're birth, you know, we're, we, let's break it down like this. We, when we're birth, we are, we've already been inoculated by microbes in the placenta. They used to think that the, the placenta was, you know, sterile, that we were, didn't have any microbes in our, um, in our bodies. And now they're starting to see that before the baby's even born, like there's certain bacterial species like lactobacillus, the one that's a lot, and a lot of other uh, bacteria of that genre, and Prevotola, and all these bacteria that can actually, are, are training your immune system. The microbiome trains your immune system. That's why you're able to... Not... How, how does that work? So basically, uh, within the first two to three years of life is the most like essential years to basically establish a healthy microbiome for uh, an infant. Uh, the mode of action of how the baby is delivered from C whether it's C-sectioned or whether it's uh, live or whether it's naturally birthed is a is a uh, can lead to certain like a like asthma and allergy conditions later on down the road because hmm. literally there's certain microbes within within the womb it's, or within the uh, vaginal opening itself that allows them to be able to uh, be cultivated with uh, an optimal bacterial species so they can actually fend off anything in the environment. This is, in, it goes inside, it's in their mouth, it's in their, in their respiratory tracts, it's in their uh, stomachs, and uh, I mean, everything literally from the ground up 
The microbiome controls every system, from the immune system to even skeletal muscle. This is where I really want to get into, especially with athleticism and how, like, athletes are basically, this is a whole new frontier in understanding how we can optimize your performance inside and out. So we don't get sick as often, so we're able to not get that winter, you know, flu or that winter sickness that we're all, you know, mm-hmm. predisposed to getting, but we're only predisposed if we don't give the microbes that we have honed for, have, like, harbored for millions of years the right things to survive. Mm-hmm. Microbes want to live inside you. I mean, they look at you as, like, if you look at any place on Earth, the most densely populated uh, area of microbes with the most vast bacterial species is inside the intestinal tract in the gut. And you wonder why? Because they look at you as a safe harbor, a place that they can raise their children, they can, you know, they can, you know, actually, like, proliferate and create, you know, communities that they can cohabitat with. Mm-hmm. And so if you create a strong enough system of bacterial, bacteria within your body, it's not just bacteria, but also, like, fungi, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard that, you know, we're a fungal species, you know, we, like, all the mushrooms, all the life that you see out there is because... All the plants have microbiomes. All the animals have microbiomes. Everything that you see around you can come down to the heart, to the reality that we are nothing without them. And if we don't give them the right things and we give them an inflammatory environment, they're going to do inflammatory things to us. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so back back to like the be, the beginning of like life. So we're born um, and and developing of our immune system. So mm-hmm. we're born, whether it be through cesarean section, through the vaginal tract. Then what? Okay, and then you got to look at, you know, whether the, the infant is being breastfed or if it's being uh, formula-fed. So they, they... Is there science behind which one's more beneficial? Yeah, so um, overall, we look at being... Bre- so the milk in, in the, the, the milk in the mother is actually has these, uh, these fibers that are called oligosaccharides. These oligosaccharides basically don't get broken down inside the small intestine where normal sugars do. They basically feed the uh, gut bacteria in the large intestine. So it allows th- those, those fundamental, um, pre- they're called prebiotics. So anything that helps like feed the microbes, basically prebiotic starches, like things that are coconut flour, cocoa, uh, kale, spinach, arugula, collard greens, all these cruciferous vegetables that are high in, you're going to be able to, re- they're called indigestible like carbohydrates so, or fibers that, you know, they have long chain fibers that aren't able to be broken down the small intestine. So they feed the large bacteria, the bacteria in the large intestine. And so these are very prevalent in the, bre- in the in mother's milk. And so they're, and they're starting to discover that there's live bacterial species in the mother's milk. Hmm. If you don't have live, and, you know, why would evolution, like, like promote that? Like, right. to have bacteria, like, like uh, you know, within all the products that, like, the baby's supposed to eat for the first 12 months. So they're starting to realize that it's essential to establishing an, an optimal, diverse microbial flora. Whether it be diversity from the outside, whether diversifying within amongst our species or diversifying inside the microbiome, it is the most essential ingredient to being able to stave off long-term chronic diseases, uh, type diabetes, um, Alzheimer's, uh, anything, every, pretty much everything across the board, they're starting to see direct links, especially in the first two, three years of life. And it's essential that, you know, breast milk or some type of other like fermented foods be you know optimized for the baby in, in the first few years of life that's wild yeah hmm. okay so as we're as we're growing um in our in our microbe starts do we each have our own microbiome or is it like generally would it be the same how's that yeah how's yes different from different people so um, every it's funny like you're actually more likely to share this a lot of the same microbial species as your roommate than you do your closest family members as if you're not living with them. So, so it's more 
predicated on your environment than for sure exactly so you know when i'm talking about optimizing micro microbiome health it's not all about nutrition it's not all about you know it's about sleep it's about exercising it's about you know we go when we go to the gym every day hey look at how look at all those dumbbells that we grab onto then i wonder how many bacterial species are on those (laughs) a lot of people look that as a bad thing but you know it's it's about it's about training the training the immune system to be able to fend off a lot of different pathogens and bacteriums and if you stay isolated inside your house and you're not, you know, or inside, you know, an office all day, and you're not exposed to the outside environment, you're not going to be able to have an optimized microbiome that is very beneficial to us. So would that mean that it's related to, like, let's say, um, like a lot of people, when they go out of the country for a vacation, mm-hmm. let's say, a lot of people find themselves getting sick. Would that be something to do with the microbiome, not uh, being accustomed to the different microbes that are in that area? Uh-huh. Yeah, I would like to actually bring that up. So that's one that, so I, I can even recall back when I went to Columbia about two and a half years ago, and... Uh, Last last two three days that we were there, we were we were consuming all the foods and drinking all the water, things mm-hmm. we probably shouldn't have been doing, you know. And I went with a couple of my buddies, and you know they didn't do so well. They got dysentery, and they you know, they their bodies were not were not there for them. And I'm not saying it was directly to that, but you know I did all the same things. And I felt great the last few days. You know my my microbiome I, by optimizing your bacterial health by being able to like your they will love you and they will like take care of you at all costs. And so if there's other like foreign bacteriums in the environment that aren't, you know, that want to invade your body, they won't let that happen. So it's all about building up your immune, immune defenses. And by optimizing diversity, you can optimize the diversity of places you can go all over the world without getting sick. So they're in a sense, just like little bodyguards for you. Yeah, they are. You can put it into context. And, uh, so, what kills diversity, and this is where, this is where you're more likely to like have acute infections and chronic diseases along down the road. They've seen pretty much it across all borders of chronic diseases, from uh, autoimmune diseases especially, like the mucosal lining, it, like that surrounds every like from the mouth mm-hmm. all the way down the rest, of the gastrointestinal tract all the way through is basically impaired it, it like it lets food proteins get through it lets certain like things like basically inf- start infecting the body and the immune cells will react to that and so if, a, if you have these chronic inflammatory states you're way more likely to have type 2 diabetes and heart disease and every pretty much every chronic disease across the board that is the most preventable diseases known to man with i mean i would go as far to say that over 90 percent and this has been well documented of like chronic diseases are preventable and through the microbiome research <laughs> we're seeing the root cause they are the root cause of all our woes, but all all the things that we love doing too as well. You know, treating your body right is your. If you treat your body right with the right things, you're going to be treating the world right too as well. Because those foods that you consume, they're not going to come from industrialized places that you know like have mass food production and processed foods and vegetable oils and. That's something I would definitely want to get into is like optimizing the microbial health with the right foods for sure. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. I want to figure out what it is that we can do today that'll make our microbiome healthier tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of I want to continue on like figuring out how the microbiome works. So as I'm getting older, so like I got sick this weekend. Mm-hmm. Is there something that I can do to one? I know like prevent it would be. From it sounds like just have a wider variety of the microbes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Is there a way to for me? And this is a selfish question. Is there a mm-hmm. way for me to get over this cold quicker? That's not selfish, man. Like this is your well-being. You're going to be that much better. Every one of your clients or who you speak to from a day-to-day basis, you're going to be able to improve every aspect of your life. Uh, you know, we we I, I want to state that like 
it's not selfish to want to optimize your body to its full potential because that means you're able to optimize your your qualities to you know to the people around you to your full potential and that you know it makes you uh it makes you a burgeoning leader for success if you can actually really harness the power of what our microbes can do for us um anyways so the best thing that i can really tell you is it's all about a lot of it has to do with fiber man as mm -hmm. cliche as is fiber 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 like literally our, compared to our hunter gatherers we consume we consume about 100 less grams of fiber per day and you know that that fiber whether it's soluble or insoluble meaning soluble meaning it like it's able to soluble fibers from like uh starches like from potatoes and like you know cooled starches so you don't want to have a bunch of like you know fries and a bunch of potato chips and, and right. things that have basically been processed with vegetable oils but you want to have the starches that have been uh that are you know that are in every, every one of these natural foods and so these soluble starches basically help ease the access help actually move fiber along through your body help you have regular flow uh, you know on a day-to-day -day basis and we can you know the national uh the national uh recommendations for fiber every day is like 25 35 grams and that's paltry compared to what we used to consume as hunter-gatherers is over 100 grams a day um, and you know we were foraging you know and we were eating all these plants and you know and seeds and like you know nuts and, and they all had microbes on them so the thing is even if you're talking about like a paleo diet even if you're talking about like uh, like an optimal microbiome diet you can't get it when you when you're going to the grocery stores when you're going to um, I mean, so you, you you see this start start coming out with kombucha, you know, mm -hmm. kombucha on the store shelves, and it's a big, it's a, you know, it's become a billion dollar industry, right, yeah. you know, Huge. it's massive, and uh, kombucha is great and all, but how I like to put it, like if you don't have an optimized prebiotic program, meaning okay, prebiotics are what you know, look at look at your uh, look at your gut as a soil, and the seed and the microbes are the seeds. Okay, if you don't have an optimal soil. If you don't have an optimal breeding grounds, if you don't have optimal uh, health of the soil, then you're not going to produce the most luscious plants. You're not going to produce the most luscious microbes, the ones that can actually help defend it off pathogens and mites and things that are in the external environment. So prebiotics are what we feed the microbes, and probiotics, like kombucha you see on the shelves, are adding beneficial microbes to your gut. But if you don't have a nutrient-rich soil, they're not going to proliferate. They're not going to help. Okay. So it's all about when it comes down to it, it's more imperative that we focus on the foods that actually help cultivate an optimal gut lining so we can defend ourselves for a change in this society. Because literally with the overabuse of antibiotics, with uh, pesticides. I was just ask about this. Mm -hmm, yeah. And so this is, I mean, I can go on for days about this, but like this is like an the antibiotics, uh, you should check this out. Dr. Margaret uh, Wu, she was uh, head of the uh, World Health uh, Organization. Back in 2016, she even said that we're going to come to a, point the next 10 20 30 years that we like uh, simply um a child's uh, scratched knee or even strep throat can once again kill because we're starting to understand these antibiotics are causing a lot of antibacterial resistance these superbugs that are actually running rampant in hospitals that are um that are actually you know th but the thing is superbugs are everywhere around us they're mm -hmm. probably in here right now it's just like our bodies are usually strong enough to defend against them 
So if I take antibiotics, does it wipe out? Because I've heard that it, when you take antibiotics, it basically mm. just wipes out your microbiome. Yeah, and so there's like first, second, third line. And most of the antibiotics they use are first line. I mean, and they only use like second, third line antibiotics. You mean, it means like wide-spectrum antibiotics where it has these antibacterial. So look at it as like these wide-spectrum ones being like an, a, an atom bomb being dropped on a city. It's like, and it's serious. Wow. Like if you have a city of microbes, if you have mm-hmm. an area of microbes and you basically are trying to kill the bad ones, um, and you're going to cause a lot of collateral damage. It's yeah. going to have radiating effects toward, for the next several years. So they've seen microbiomes completely change and drop by a diversity upwards of 60% within the first antibiotic dosage. And, and, and the thing is, it's really hard to reestablish that, especially if patients don't have an optimized program to help re-inoculate themselves with diversity. So Once this you, might hurt, it might you know kill the sickness, but also kills off all the exactly. warriors that are preventing other sicknesses. Look at it like this. Um, I, like, I like making this compa- comparison. And so, you know, we all have our jobs, you know, mm-hmm. we have our, you know, we have marketers, we have, you know, day-to-day workers, you know, we have firemen, we have uh, paramedics, we have police officers, we have teachers. And if you're killing off all these people, that can help basically uh, teach the system that is this earth. You're going to not be able to evolve as a species. You're not going to be able to, you know, create the proper foundations to so well, I like to make this comparison. So you, so if you say if you kill off a lot of your microbes that are your firemen, are mm-hmm. your paramedics, are your police officers, your military that helps keep your body safe from day in and day out, you won't be able to defend from the outside environment. So the antibiotics are actually causing, especially a lot of these superbugs like Clostridium difficile. I don't know if you ever heard of C. diff. No. Oh yeah, actually, C. when C. you say it like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people don't like to say the, elong- uh, the elongated version, but it's essential because it's essential to know these bacterial names. I really, uh, I'm a big, pro- I'm a big proponent of getting people excited about being citizen scientists because it is essential to this day. Citizen scientists. Citizen scientists. Uh, I like to call myself an autodactic. So like. A self-researcher, someone that actually, you know, was, because all, all, all the information I learned was pretty much in the last three to four years in regards to the microbiome. I come from the physiolo- physiology and nutritional background. I got my NASA and um, National Association of Sports Medicine, and I got my uh, uh, nutritional uh, specialist certification, and that was a good foundation to build upon, especially getting into the microbiology field, because it's something that I never really was interested in, but now I'm engrossed. Oh, I know. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the pictures that you sent me, I was like, gee, many Christmases. This probably took, like, some of these pictures you sent me probably took, like, three hours. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is everything just flows off the top of my head because literally it is, it's reigniting my sense of discovery. It's literally, it's literally making everything that I do from day to day more and more enthusiastic like i i I have a new i I remember the difference (laughs) i remember the difference the first time you came up to me after like you started going experimenting with your smoothies Mm -hmm. it's like oh my god this dude is on another level i can't even keep up with the conversation (laughs) so much more energy yeah and the smoothies are you know the start of it you know i mean i i know i'm bouncing all over the place right here you know in the microbiome field it kind of gives me an add mind in of itself because it connects everything literally from the ground up from the things that we do from day to day but even one of my friends uh i won't mention his name but he he recently uh, he's kind of had a like ocd problems he always like Mm -hmm. you know wash his hands all day and you know he you know he he wouldn't pick something off the floor and eat or necessarily wipe it off he Mm -hmm. he he would like he's he's very like bacterial defensive Mm -hmm. 
And just as recently, he's told me that he's, you know, he's been able to actually get rid of his, like, OCD problems because he realizes how beneficial these microbes are to us. Like, mm-hmm. they are, it, it is like, it is, this used to be a pseudoscience and is readily becoming, like, the exact opposite because we yeah. started to see that it is the root cause of pretty much all the conditions, all our woes. And if we optimize them to, like, it, it can, it, I'm not just talking about, removing chronic diseases and, you know, getting rid of a lot of the burdens of disease. I'm talking about performance enhancement. I'm talking about optimizing your microbes to inoculate yourself with the right bacterial species that can release more dopamine so you can remember more information, that you can fire quicker, not just physically but cognitively as well. It's, it's astounding. Yeah. So what I want to eventually get into is how I can optimize my microbiome so I can perform mm-hmm. mentally and physically at my peak. For sure. Um, but I was, so a couple of years ago, I started working in the bar industry. And like my whole life, I've never really gotten sick very often. But within the first like two weeks of working in this industry, I was, I was more sick than I've ever been in my life. Really? But after that, after being in the industry and being in and out of bars all day, every day for like a couple, just a couple months, I didn't get sick at all, mm-hmm. like ever. Like Caitlin, my wife could be home with sick with the flu, give her a kiss, I wouldn't, nothing. Yeah, look how many people you're probably around. I know, exactly. And it's just like, I mean, it's the fact that, I mean, you're in a bar, it's a little bit, there's probably a lot more bacteria floating around in a bar than Mm -hmm. than most places. And it just like, my immune system was so just like through the roof. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I see now it's because I was around more, I was exposing myself to different things. Is that accurate? Yeah, very much so. I mean, this, it's still in the preliminary evidence of discovering this. So um, it's just, there's so, there's so much, uh, correlation to it that it's it can't be dismissed anymore like literally by diversifying the environments diversifying the places the people that we speak to the plants that we consume it's not just about consuming one vegetable or another it's about consuming a wide plethora of vegetables and fruits that allow us to have a wide plethora of microbes that will defend us at all costs so when you're talking about uh you know going from bar to bar i very much believe that like that very well increased your resilience to the environment mm-hmm. by not, you know, you know, by staying in one location at all times and maneuvering to another one, there's completely a different microbial habitat. I mean, if you do that to qu- transition too quickly, like you probably did at first. Yeah. <laughs> and man, I thought I was going to die. I was, I was laying on the couch. I'll never forget. It. I was laying on the couch, had like a 104 temp and I was like, this uh-huh. is it. I can't believe I'm going out like this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I was, I was, Actually, the first time I think I've ever been scared because I was so sick. Really? Like, what the fuck? How long were you sick for? It was it was a twenty four hour thing, man. Huh? Yeah, was... and I can tell you, I've had my twenty four hour sicknesses in the past. You know, a few years back, which is the last time I got sick, uh, it's like my body had an overwhelming. Response. Wait, you said a few years ago was the last time you yeah, were sick? Yeah, about like three years ago. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I was sick for about 24 hours. And before that, was like two years back. I, I, I can even, my parents can even attest for this. I've been sick about five times in my life, five or six times. Really? Yeah, completely serious. And, hmm. uh, and it's usually for about a few days, and then it's completely gone. I've always had a relatively strong immune system, and yeah. I always kind of look back at how, like, how I was like, born into the environment that I am. You know, I, uh, um, I had a lot of dogs around me at all times. You know, mm-hmm. that's another big field. Like the thing is, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be jumping from place to place here because we're sorry, everything is connected. So it's not like I said, it's not through nutritional you know deficiencies that we you know we don't have a diverse gut bacteria, but it's also through if we're not having you know dogs that carry in allergens. You know, we're not being exposed to certain allergens in the environment within those first 
few years of life. So I've had five dogs at a time growing up. I've had like 13 dogs on my life. So one died, we always got another one. And, and, uh, it, like I was always exposed and I got sick a few times when I was younger and maybe a couple more times later on. And that's it. Like, and I'm not saying, you know, I mean, I'm never going to get sick again, but I like to think that I'll never get sick. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Um, okay. So with, I kind of, I want to know like kind of a little bit more about like our intake of, of foods Mm -hmm. and different foodstuffs. What's, what's helpful, what's harmful, Mm -hmm. um, organic versus not, not organic. Most definitely. Just, let's just go from there. Yeah. I'd say, uh, and I say like the most imperative things that we got to look at are just increasing the amount of vegetables that we're consuming unprocessed, meaning not like, I mean, even when you cook, it's processed. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's about the least processing possible because you retain the most nutrients. So I, I, I try to consume a dog that's like half, you know, half raw, half, you know, cooked. You know, a lot of people like are all for the raw, for all cooked or, you know, they go for the keto or they go for, you know, the Mediterranean or like this is how I like to put it. Like the med- the microbiome diet is the end all be all in regards to dietary nutrition. That's all you really want to look at. And I can say that for certain. I've, I've, I've you know, read every book across the board in regards to different nutritional dietary regimens and the microbiome. It takes the best from every regimen. It takes, you know, the best anti-inflammatory foods full of antioxidants and the least amount of omega-6 rich fatty, you know. So what is the microbiome diet? Um, we well, could say the microbiome diet is a, uh, it's a diet focused on um, cultivating your body with a lot of, like, like I said, a lot of prebiotic uh, fibers and a lot of bacterial species. I ferment my own kimchi. I do kombucha. I, I make my own sauerkraut. These are all, you know, uh, vegetable ferments that I let, like, like let sit for weeks. And they basically produce these fermentable, uh, um, these, these bacterial species that allow my gut to basically flourish. You know, we... Uh, the, the kombucha you buy in the shelves is, like, ridiculously expensive to how you can make it. Like, all you need is, like, a little scoby, which is, like, a symbiotic culture that you start off with. It's, like, a base, like, starter kit. And, like, you can make kombucha for, like, less than a dollar a gallon. Really? Yeah, yeah. So this is why I, I wanted to get people excited to actually learn how to do that themselves because, literally, it's so much cheaper than what it is when you buy on the store shelves. Yeah, it probably costs more for the glass that you buy than, <laughs> right, exactly. than the actual liquid. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's you know it's a burgeoning field. You know, it's one of those fields. The, the microbiome, it's going to cause, like, a lot of fad, you know, mm-hmm. like, dietary trends and stuff. And, and I, you know, I, 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 come, I, I came at this whole microbiome field with kind of, like, you know, I was wary of it. It's one of those things that, like, literally this field is telling me, hey, my actions – day to day may not even be me it's re, it's as in it may not even be me causing those hunger pangs you know the mm. you know causing those you know those addictive um, habits that we you know we like all those comfort foods bacteria have large integral integral plays in how we how we tend to choose which foods we want and need so you're saying that the microbiome has a say in what we crave. I would very much go to say that yes, because so in this in this kind of in this kind of when the the stark realization when I can realize that the microbiome kind of removed my sense of autonomy, meaning that like it's not just me. It's you know also, you think it is right, right, exactly. The microbiome acts on its own completely through its own enteric nervous system and it can it can go without the function of the central nervous system just fine it can digest food just fine it can do everything just fine by itself it's the second brain they say you know mm-hmm. you know the forgotten organ but I, I wouldn't even like to call it forgotten organ i would like to call it a forgotten system the system that reacts re- with every other system from the skeletal muscle 
to the amount of serotonin that we get, that gets, you know, absorbed into our bodies. And you know what else serotonin regulates? Osteoblasts and osteoclasts that are basically f- f- help with bone formation. To being able to make sure that people don't get osteo- osteoporosis, arthritis, by having a healthy microbial gut with optimal serotonin, it's imperative that the foods that we consume uh, across a large array of anti-inflammatory foods are consumed. So... Uh, when I'm talking about anti-inflammatory, like green bananas, those are a great prebiotic food. You know, mm. Most people wouldn't think to eat a green banana, yeah, but the thing nasty. is, because it's, <laughs> right, exactly. but with like a little bit of almond butter, I like actually making okay. like a little snack. So, so the thing so what it, do you do? You just mash it up or what? Yeah. Or I just like stick banana right in some almond butter and just smash it. No, that's okay. one of my, that's one of the, actually my go-to like treats per really? se. Yeah. So I still allow myself to cheat. I'll still, you know, consume, you know, bad foods every now and again. I try to abide by like a 90-10 principle and sometimes I'll fall off, you know, if I'm going away on vacation and I don't beat myself up about it. It's all about a rational regimen. This, mm-hmm. the microbiome is a rational focused regimen. It's not focused on, okay, you have to eat this way. It's not a dietary regimen. It's a lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle change that I will never go back to what I used to previously do because that, it numbed, it numbed my brain down all my life. The, Amer- the standard American diet, all it did for me was not believe in myself. And learning how the microbiome can change not just the physicality of the body, but the mind itself is, is was paramount to me trying to figure out the ways of the world. You know, I mean, I, I want to go back to the foods I consume on a regular basis that would be op, optimal for anyone. I want people to focus on weaning themselves into a regimen. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm talking about 100 plus grams of fiber a day, which I try to uh, try to put into my body every single day, I make a lot of smoothies. I try to do half raw, but half cooked. I do like stir fry. Are you just shitting all day? <laughs> no, actually not. Really? Yeah. So that's, like that's, adapts that's, to it eventually? Right, oh, well, yeah. I mean, plus when your microbes are getting fed what they need and, you know, the, you're not going to... So the adaptations to it, yes, you would think, oh, you have those vegan farts, or you have those. And don't get me wrong, I'm not vegan. I I do uh, eat meat periodically, a couple times a week, but I make sure it tries to be like a grass-fed, pasture-raised animals, mm-hmm. or in like a sardines, uh, oysters, different uh, foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids. Okay. Okay. So and it, and that's essential because the, cert- the certain omega-3 fatty acids are in like flax seeds, chia seeds, and um, a lot of other seeds for vegan diets. And omega-3 are, is good for? Uh, anti-inflammatory benefits. Okay. Omega-6s are going to be more inflammatory. And w- w- the standard American diet that people consume on a day-to-day basis uh, it has a ratio of about 20 to 1 omega-6 to omega-3s, meaning the very high inflammation. So that infl- inflammation blocks receptors and uh, neurological receptors, blocks the immune cells, blocks everything from being able to respond as quickly. So maybe not. So if you have a, a pretty high omega six inflammatory diet, your body's not going to be able to respond to a certain pathogen in the environment as quickly. You're not going to be able to respond to certain illnesses that you succumb to later on down in life. Chronic diseases across the boards all start with acute acute problems. That's what people. There's this. There's this fine. Like people draw a distinction between chronic disease and acute diseases. Chronic diseases. You don't find out you have cancer until about seven years later. Mm-hmm. So. You don't find out, you um, you know, multiple sclerosis, you know, uh, Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes. All these diseases take years, decades to uh, come about. But it started with an acute problem, with not, your body not being able to respond to something effectively. And your body starts, basically starts turning against itself. And your microbes will turn against you too if it doesn't have the best, most optimal environment to live in. That, why would, oh, I mean, if... If we keep feeding them insidious foods that don't allow them to proliferate and don't feed them the right things, 
Look at what happens to a society that doesn't do that to themselves. Look at what happens to places that aren't able to feed feed all all the people in town. They're gonna you're gonna have more people that are gonna start turning against the system itself. You got to be able to give them the right things if you want them to proliferate and actually do the best things for you possible. So. I kind of got you off track there with. Yeah, I know. With, yeah. with, with the, <laughs> It'll happen from time dude, to time. Dude, yeah, my mind is like, it's not even fitting. My brain doesn't fit in my head right now. It's like I'm taking all the trying to take all this in. This is hey, I'm trying to do it all from day to day because like literally, it's completely made my brain explode. Because like that's like it's literally it's it's transformed my mentality into a new a new zell for life, man. It's it's something that like. I, I can't explain. I could never have dreamed of something that encapsulated my this entire sense of discovery. time that you've been talking. You've just been smiling. Yeah, like <laughs> I can t- I can tell this is like this is your shit. Yeah, yeah. This shit. is what I live for. Like this is what I want to eventually like start really uh, regarding as I want I want to be an influencer in regards to being able to spread this most vital information that's so underwritten society that people have no idea what's going on inside mm-hmm. their bodies. The what what we learned in the past 10, 15 years are revolutionary compared to what we knew 10, 15 years prior to that. None of, our, none of us are learning this in schools. None of us, like, this is completely upturning all the science in regards to not just physiology, but from psychology, sociology, how we interact with one another, sanitation practices, of being able to be able to find out that a lot of the neurotransmitters, most of the neurotransmitters from serotonin, dopamine, GABA, all these things that help us keeping this symphonic, you know, hormonal release throughout the day is largely regulated by your microbiome. The microbiome is the end-all, be-all in regards to nutrition and finding out how we conduct ourselves from in society itself. I mean, it's, uh, it's a field that, like, I, I, put, I put all my money into that is, it, it will be, it will be, it will be the change that we need in society to learn. We all need to learn it. We all just need to learn little by little. I'm telling you, man, this is uh, this is the most important field to get into. And um, yeah, I can't uh, I can't <laughs> I can't stress, man. Like, let's, it's, let's back uh, up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit. Mm. So, what are things you're talking about? Your diet. What are things that are important to follow along? Even if it's just like slowly getting into this. Like, so if I'm if I'm guessing accurately, a lot of people that are listening to this right now are like, okay, I need to start paying attention to this. They can obviously mm-hmm. tell it's important. Of Where's a good place to start, and how do mm-hmm. they slowly get into, the, get into this? Because to get to, like, the understanding that you have, it's, you know, it's going to take years of, like, yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy deep work. Of course. Which you put in. Mm-hmm. But for them to understand, like, how it's going to benefit them, what's a good place for them to start as far as changing up their diet and what to focus on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that was one of the main things that really, it, it took, it took, for me to change my habits, it took me having to learn, learn, learn. It really had to me, take me learning the science. I didn't just want somebody just telling me, hey, you should eat that, you shouldn't eat that. What I really wanted to uh, find out about myself is like why I intrinsically do the things that I do from day to day and learning that the bacteria basically, um, they, help, they, they really can determine what you eat from day to day. And like learning that, just learning that in itself made me not want to eat the foods that they wanted from day to day. And that was paramount to my sense of autonomy. Um, 
the best thing I could tell for people to do is to start off by removing a lot of the substances that are inflammatory to our microbes that our microbes do not appreciate. One of the worst things I'd say, one of the worst, if not the worst, is uh, vegetable oils. Vegetable oils, from canola oils to oxidized oils that have polyunsaturated fats that oxidize relatively quickly. One of the first and foremost things to remove from the diet because they are very high in omega six fatty acids. Okay, so you get that in fried foods, you get that in a lot of like products on the store shelves that actually help, you know, get keep these foods, you know, preserved. You know, all the foods that all the store bought uh, foods on the shelves, you know, 90% of it's, you know, in boxes and, you know, and they got to be preserved somehow. So vegetable oils allow that, but that comes with the downside. It comes with uh, an, a, 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 an upset microbiome that doesn't really like these inflammatory substances and they don't digest them very well. They don't, they don't, uh, they lack fiber, the fibers that are necessary to help feed the microbes. So when you have a diet that's, um, that's basically devoid of fiber that feeds this other system in your body, you're not going to be very synergistic with them. So the first thing I really tell people to do is just remove the vegetable oils and of course, remove the sugar. Uh, to a large degree. I got a gnarly <laughs> sweet tooth. Is, so I was going to ask you this. Is the fact that I have such a sweet tooth, is that like programmed into my, like, does my microbiome want more of it because I feed it that? Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, that, but that's also, but you're also, what you're also doing is that uh, you're, the more sugar you're consuming, you're, you, well, you usually not consume a bunch of fiber with all that sugar either, right. too. So you're basically starving off your microbes. So a lot of those signals that are those those hunger pangs, those things that you, that you crave, those sugars, I've come to find out are just from like just a lack of nutrition for my bacterial species. Because I've, I've always had the worst sweet tooth. Like I'm still and dude. I, last I, night I went out and bought like <laughs> a mini apple pie and ice cream just because it was like, oh my I god, know. I need to have a dumpling right now. Yeah, and you should have your dumpling every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's a essential that like how I look at food is we got to we got to get rid of this notion that food isn't drugs because food acts on acts on us just just to a much smaller degree we can still maintain our composure from day to day but are we really maintaining our composure from day to day when if maybe our our most maybe if we're not feeling how I like to put it the dietary regimen is the first and foremost thing to change because hey once you eat a little bit better, hey, maybe you don't get as irritated, you know, at that next person that you cut you off in traffic. Oh, maybe because you feel, oh, you feel better, so you're not going to let them get to you. Oh, maybe you're not going to take that energy and send it to your co-worker, your coworker when you get to work. Oh, maybe since your work performance maybe was a little bit better, since you had a little bit more energy, a little bit more pep in your step, you didn't have that crash. The thing is, microbiome regimen, I don't crash. Really? Ever. I feel good all day, every day, as long as I'm doing the right things. It, it is nonstop. And I know why I feel bad. The thing is, once you learn about the microbiome, you start knowing why you feel bad in certain circumstances. Hey, maybe your microbes aren't exposed to a certain environment like enough, so you get them a little more anxious, a little bit maybe. You're a little bit more depressed. Maybe you're... you're the thing is, this is, this is a tumultuous subject that I'm not going to get too much into today. Um, just because we're starting to see that so many of these psychological d d diseases through neurosis, through depression, anxiety, a large, a large part of it has to do with the microbiome. And, and just the health of what we're putting in our yes, bodies. Yes, and so when you're talking about a lot of neurotransmitters being secreted in our guts, sending signals to our brains, 90% of our serotonin is produced in our gut. Feel-good chemical that really? makes us feel good. Also the ones that help regulate bone density too. So this is where in cases like fibromyalgia, cases of uh, sarcopenia. Sarcopenia is one of those things that, I mean, with muscle, muscle wasting, like if you have the right microbial species, they've seen this in, in cultures that are, you know, the blue, ever heard of blue zones? 
Mm-mm. Blue zones are like the places around the world with the highest proliferation of centurions. And they've seen... What's a centurion? Centurion is a hu- people oh, live no, over... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People live 100 years old. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to live to be 100 years old. But, oh, I do. I want to live to be 125. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I was talking about 150 or so. But, you know, it really just depends. Yeah, you know I like what I mean? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll see you there, maybe. <laughs> but, like, how I like to put it, man, like, most people is like, why would you want to live to be 100, you know, over 100 years old? It's like... Well, have you seen the state of people mostly that are over 100 years old? They're crippling. I mean, to a large degree. It's like they don't, they, it's not necessarily their faults, but they, they've gotten to these vicious cycles that they, you know, they can't maneuver around as much. They, you know, they maybe, you know, they um, get like a wheelchair, so their mobility gets lower and lower. That causes sarcopenia, or yeah, sarcopenia. So that means that muscle wasting. So we're starting to see that microbes actually, with optimal serotonin reuptake in your body, can actually help fundamentally keep your bones strong. They can help keep your muscle mass intact. They've even seen them as large regulators in IGF-1, which is uh, like how much muscle we're able to put on. So if you give them the right substances, you know, through, uh, like I said, I consume meat periodically here and there, and I only consume, I try to only consume the, you know, the best meats around. Um, but the, what the biggest thing uh, is just like adding more vegetables, wide rate of vegetables in from day in and day out. And, you know, consuming, uh, they've even seen this with the, you should check into uh, uh the National Institute, National Institute of Human uh, Genomics, like they even uh, seen that a wide array of the bacterial species basically cause uh, genetic changes that reflect that actually reflect our nuclear DNA. So get this: your microbiome has about three to five million genes in it, and what what does the human body have? I have no idea. About twenty thousand genes or so. They literally really? outnumber our genes Wait, so over a hundred to one. Wow. So, so say that again so people can understand what you're saying. All right, so uh, your nuclear DNA, which is within every one of your 39 trillion plus cells or so, has, um, has about 20, 20 to 22,000 genes or so, and it's, it, it fluctuates, and the scientists aren't like completely for sure of it. Now you see in the microbes, they, each one of the bacteria have upwards of about 4,000 genes or so. So when you have a mix of trillions and trillions and trillions of microbes Man. with upwards uh, to a thousand plus species inside and out, depending on like, I mean, look at, look at like uh, New Guinea populations, look at uh, populations of the Amazon, they have three to 5,000 different species in them. And none of them, they seem like they, they seem no, of course they don't live quite as long, but they have no like signs right. of chronic diseases and like across the border. So um, then you look at the average European or average uh, American, they have about a thousand species or so that, and the thing is, it's only dwindling lower and lower. We're losing all these bacterial species through sanitation practices, through being inside buildings, through, uh, you know, you know, cleaning everything around us, you know. So by trying to get rid of all the bacteria in the world, we're just making ourselves more vulnerable. Oh, of course, because they're gaining resistance. They, they're, they're outsmarting our greatest techniques and learning. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to put it, you know, and, uh. I, I really want to get to it at some point, like the bacteriophage therapy. You ever heard of it? So it's this new therapy. It's about utilizing viruses, basically, to um, to we we like we basically use viruses to fight a lot of the bacterial species that are basically becoming antibiotic resistant. So this is a whole new field of scientists uh, waging right now that we're starting to figure out. It may be one of the solutions to the antibiotics uh, superbugs that are. Basically killing about 23,000 people a year in this country and about 50,000 people worldwide every year. The C. diff, um, so there's even certain like strains of like gonorrhea and different bacterial species that literally uh, over in Southeast Asia really are, they... They can't figure them out. They can't figure them out. That's wild. 
and that's going to come become more and more prevalent. I mean, look to Director Margaret Wu. That I mean, she uh, of the World Health Organization. I mean, we're getting to a point where a lot of these antibiotics that we've held true that are you know it's been a saving grace for society, but it's also right. going to be the downfall if we don't start really paying attention as citizen scientists. We should all be paying attention to this. This should be one of the fir- first and foremost things we study because this has everything to do with how we raise our kids, how we, you know, what what we should feed them on a day-to-day basis. You know, I mean, it, it talks about, like, what the male should even do before, you know, impregnating a woman because the, the sperm itself is even necessary. Like, having optimal sperm that is has the optimal, like, you know, genetic traits that, like, especially the bacterial species that we um, trade within one another is very imperative. So I would go as far to say that from day in and day out, if you're not thinking about your microbes, um, then you're not you're not going to get as much out of your body as you wish in this life. Seriously, man. What are what are some things that we need to stop doing yesterday? Like mm. on an individual level, what are some things I need to stop doing? Stop eating. Mm. What are some things I need to? Well, that's one like, thing right there. Stop eating, maybe. Stop eating <laughs> for a change, because like I mean, we 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 get told from day in and day out since we're grown, you know, three meals a day, three meals a day, three mm-hmm. meals a day, you know. And then uh, you know, when I talk about fasting, when I talk about, I've recently gotten to fasting, which is let's bit, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've I've only recently gotten to this like within the last several months, uh, probably in the last, the last six months or so. I started doing like, you know, weekly 24 hour fasts, you know, and I fall off, you know, here and there. And I try to do intermittent fasting, at least, you know, only eat within like an eight hour period of time from day to day. Mm-hmm. And so usually it ranges from eight to 12, depending on people's schedules. I know, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of people have different schedules, so they can always work that in. But it's a lot of it has to do with timing, man. I mean, really giving your body a break, giving uh, your cells uh, the ability to not have to digest food at all times is very essential for it to help the help cells recover. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a cellular process called autophagy. Uh, autophagy actually is like the cellular recycling in your cells that you, once your cells actually get a chance to not have to be working at all times, just like sleep. We, we can't keep working without sleep. We need to let our cells rest from time to time, but we don't because we are constantly digesting. It takes uh, 24 plus hours or 24 to 72 hours for all foods to remove from the gastrointestinal tract. And if those cells are constantly working, they're not getting rest. So what yeah. happens when we take this 24-hour fast? All right, so you, uh, you actually a lot of things happen, especially athletically speaking. If you want to talk about HGH and raising it, like uh, growth hormone levels, like it is essential. Like uh, I, I've had my best workouts after twenty four hour fast. Really? Oh yeah. Do you eat before? Um, no, no, I don't at all. So you're twenty four hours fasted. Do you yeah, work out? Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite times to work out. Like, really? It's, yeah, seriously, it's one of those things. And it, I, I, I'm not always consistent with it because you know I, I still love food. Food is <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Food's, it's what keeps us alive. I'm literally by by doing what I'm doing from day to day by changing how I eat, alter by fasting. I'm literally choosing to go against my natural state is to want to consume the most mm-hmm. quick absorbing foods as possible. I mean, I don't blame people. I don't really don't blame people at all for falling prey to these foods in the food industry because back in the hunter and gallery days, we that's all we'd be eating because we didn't know we would have our next meal. But we all know when we'll have our next right, meal yeah. now. That's right. the problem. We are all, we're all not, uh, we're all crippling from diseases of overabundance in regards to overabundance of antibiotics, overabundance of you know the foods that we eat. And you can even look at sugar and a lot of these vegetable oils as antibiotics in themselves because they prevent the proliferation of the mi- beneficial microbes in your body. People look at antibiotics as just these chemicals that we put in our body to destroy a bunch of microbes, but you're limiting your body's potential, your microbial power, by consuming the foods people do from day to day. That means you're limiting your capabilities of who you are as a human being. 
So, okay, back to the 24 hours. Uh-huh. What, what goes on in the body whenever I take a 24-hour fast? So within 24 hours or so, um, your, uh, your, you know, your body, your stomach, you know, your small intestine, your large intestine actually start, stop like digesting foods, start actually getting a break from the day-to-day uh, digestive processes. So that means they can actually um, repair themselves more. They can actually uh, rest and actually be able to, be able to utilize the cells as them as truly the cells that they are for um, basically be able to reheal their gut lining. So one of the big things that we like in autoimmune conditions is that when we're constantly eating, constantly breaking down foods, constantly we're not able to allow that 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 mucosal layer basically in our large intestine or in, in our small intestine be able to basically um, heal itself because we're always breaking down foods and we're causing a lot of uh, food allergies because we are consistently eating foods that are breaking down our, our gut linings over time. So by removing these foods, we can actually give those cells a break to be able to repair the mucosal lining, to be able to actually, you know, breathe for a chance, you know, I mean, we, uh, fasting allows you to, uh, so in the ketogenic realm, like, like the keto diet's a pretty big diet and you can even incorporate the keto diet inside the microbiome regimen too as well. By removing a lot of the, I've done this periodically from time to time. Um, by so ke- by going the keto diet, it has some of the same benefits of what fasting does, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you're basically removing glucose, pretty much most glucose, most of the fruit. I, I still consume a little bit of fruit uh, when I go on a ketogenic microbiome focused diet, but the um, the sugar is one of the things that y- is one of the best things you can get rid of because literally you're you're utilizing other um, you're utilizing like a ketones from your liver. So utilizing ketones like butyrate um, is it's a, it's called beta hydroxybutyrate. It's like a it's like a short chain fatty acid that allows you to basically run on this more efficient fuel than glucose. Like especially when I feel at my cognitive peak when I when I'm fasted for 24 hours. Really? Yes, for sure. And this first 24 hours is hard, but once your body gets used to doing it on a regular basis, it's not as stressful because there can be a lot of stress like constantly thinking about food right, and constantly yeah. doing this thing that you've done all since you were a kid and that you were told is bad. That like so it's really hard to kind of break away from that ideal that like fasting is bad for you because yeah yeah it's one of those things that it's been it sounds there. miserable like I, I know because yeah. like, I've heard like from different different sources like doing a twenty four hour fast is really good for you almost like a reset for the mm-hmm. body but it sounds miserable yeah and you know for I mean I'm talking about you know starting off with sixteen hours you know one week and then go to maybe. 18 hours the next week. We're, we're looking at lifestyle regimens here. We're not looking at one-size-quick-fix-all, you know. That's what a lot of our society looks at. We want these, like, short-term fixes. Mm. And uh, the power of fasting, especially, like, beyond... I, I mean, I've even broached upon after 48 hours. I've done up to 48 hours. Actually, 48 hours within the last couple of days I did. And, like, literally, especially towards the end, you, you don't, you're not quite as hungry as you thought you would be. So it's all about slowly, gradually working your way into 24, then maybe 36 hours, then 48. We're looking at the long-term perspective here. So when you're doing these fasts, are you water only? Or are you taking any vitamins? Mm-hmm. Yeah, water. Like and, I, and also, so technically, you know, fasting, if, if you you got you want to remove any exogenous substances that could cause, like, it cause like en- enzymatic reactions in your body. So... 
even coffee does that, even tea. But it, it, but there's certain different cellular processes that like you can go for. It all depends on your intentions. What are you? I mean, what would you? What would you fast for, Jeremy? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have no yeah idea. right. So if you want to maybe enhance your cognitive, ben- uh, cognitive, you know, if you want to enhance your focus from day to day, fasting is one of the best things you can do, especially getting rid of the glucose from day to day that la- kind of causes those crashes. I don't know if you ever feel those, you know, after you eat something you probably shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's it? What's your dietary regimen like, man? Um, I do take uh, probiotic greens in the morning. Um, ever since adding that, like mm-hmm. that definitely gives me more sustained energy throughout the day. Okay. So it's like those live greens or yeah okay yeah. Cool. um so I, I mean I generally eat I mean I, I think I eat pretty I would say probably like eighty twenty mm-hmm. um I eat a lot of chicken okay but with that said well I guess we usually have like organic chicken I don't know grass fed or not yeah one of the one of the main things we'll look at chicken is like a, that they don't utilize antibiotics in the okay. feeding because that's one of the things that like it's, it gets into See, the that meat themselves sense. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's like what you are. You're not only what you eat, but you are what you eat, ate. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, how I like to put it, it's not about what you eat. It's what your microbes consume and produce. This gets into the field of, like, metabolomics, which is, like, the metabolites that these bacterial species give off. Because they've seen, okay, so, like, comparing a per from, what my, say, my microbiome to your gut microbiome, we may have, um, you know, 40% of the same bacterial species, mm-hmm. but we produce 80% of the same metabolites. So meaning that certain microbes may produce the same metabolites that are very beneficial for your body. So you ever heard of like short chain fatty acids? Mm-hmm. Okay. So these are these byproducts that microbes give off in your body when you consume a lot of fiber, a lot of long resistant starches, um, and like indigestible fibers, like in cruciferous vegetables and fruits. Um, these short chain fatty acids, which are butyrate, propionate and acetate um, these are essential for maybe helping you stave off hunger acetate is actually one of the best uh, short chain fatty acids for actually alleviating hunger it's been found highly in apple cider vinegar i consume apple cider vinegar day in and day out really and it actually helps me qual my hunger uh, uh my hunger uh pangs from day to day so if i get like a little sweet tooth if i get like a little uh if i'm like really hungry i consume some apple cider vinegar. it does really have beneficial effects i've heard great things about it in yeah fact, it I is have someone to get home. right right and make sure when you consume it you do about one third apple cider vinegar at least and two thirds water because it can be very corrosive on your esophagus and your throat and yeah i've heard so, yep so it's one of those things we want to watch, especially not, you know, consuming it like too close to brushing your teeth. You know, a lot of the times, it's another thing I want to get into is like different sites for different, you want to make sure by optim, like what's really gotten me to optimize my oral microbiome is like learning so much about it, how they are the main cause of periodontal diseases and other diseases of the mouth that basically cause cavities and gingivitis and all these things. I mean, all these can be prevented. Most of the, most of them are largely dictated by what your microbes are producing, like acid on, on your teeth and if you have an oral microbiome, you have about 200 and some species within your within your mouth right now. Really? Yeah, you do. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple in your eyes right now. You got several in your ears. You got you got about a th- it, it varies. Like I said, depends on your diversity. But you got anywhere up to a thousand plus bacterial species in your gut alone. On your skin, you have. I mean, depends on your site of area. I mean, with in your armpits, you have like 40 some species. Within like all over your arms, you have about 100 billion bacteria all over your body right now. That's wild. And you and like with it just on your foot alone, you have about three hundred miles worth of fungi. This is another thing I want to get into is like the uh, the mycobiome, which is like the like our, the fungal species that live inside and on us as well. You should look into this guy called Paul Stamets. You know, you know of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's on a really good Joe Rogan that uh, I like. What's but, his uh, name? 
Paul Stamets. He's a mycologist. He studies like fungi and like he, he just came out with this uh, movie called Fantastic Fungi. You should check it out. But uh, so basically, we, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, evolutionary speaking, we're all fungal species that we, uh, we, uh, in every, all the mushrooms that you see on store shelves, they all, there are microbiomes too. All the plants do. They all harbor their own bacteria because they help defend them from the environment. And without your skin microbiome, your body would be very susceptible to a range of diseases. So it's their imperative by optimizing them with, you know, proper skin ta- t- tactics. Like for the skin microbiome, one of the best things is I actually make my own lotions. So I make like, a, really? it's like shea butter, um, like coconut oil, um, like a beeswax and other types of like <laughs> other types of uh, like um, beneficial like skin uh, care ingredients that I would tell, tell you to add to your regimen. Um, but like, you know, optimizing your oral microbiome, like you, so I want to make sure that like when you, before you uh, brush your teeth, like in the morning or at night, and make sure you don't consume anything acidic for within the first 30 minutes or so. Really? So yeah, otherwise you're kind of like brushing acid basically all, all over your teeth. So it's more likely to corrode them. So I recommend before brushing, you actually swish water around, especially right like, quite like profusively. So you can actually release a lot of the acidity and then you can brush your teeth. So that'll actually help, you know, stave off uh, bad bacteria over the long run. Try to try to reduce the amount of like mouthwashes like that we consume on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mouthwashes have like alcohol and other ingredients right. in it that actually kill the health of some of the healthy bacterial species that reign in our mouths and actually get, makes them more open to intruders, other pathogens that may mm-hmm. make us sick, may have caused you to, you know, get that little stuffy nose over the weekend or, you know, yeah. so... So where's the where's the connection between cognitive performance and the microbiome? So I've heard it's called the second brain, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah, the, yeah. the guts, the second brain, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. What's the connection to that? Okay, so um, especially, I mean, if you look at dopamine, dopamine uh, over fifty percent of the dopamine uh, is actually produced in your gut, and with the optimal bacterial species, they can actually. <clears throat> excuse me, actually be able to help you think better because dopamine it helps you remember more information, helps you be able to learn better. It's that reward molecule that mm-hmm. helps you be able to, that helps you keep doing what you do every single day. If you don't have optimal dopamine stores, you're going to be, be a little bit more lethargic. You're going to maybe have a little bit more, ga- especially people that have low serotonin levels have gastrointestinal upset. They're neglecting their enteric nervous system. They're ne- neglecting the other half of them that keeps them running from day in and day out. So if, they're, if they have a little gastrointestinal upset or like their bodies just, they kind of may feel a little cloudy, they're not thinking straight because maybe they have low serotonin, low dopamine levels. So especially by optimizing your gut bacteria, you can make sure you have optimal neurotransmitter release from your gut that sends signals through the vagus nerve. I don't know if you've ever heard the heard vagus of that. nerve. I've heard that's yeah. like the pathway to health, right? Is yeah, that it is. Wim Hof, does he say that? So yeah, yeah, Wim Hof's big into it, and he's one of my, he's one of my idols in regards to... Uh, pushing the body dude. yeah yeah he's he yeah he's dude. one of my favorites man and he is he's been one of my uh, go-to's in regards to it's like it's like well I already knew about about how like the the abilities to push yourself in the cold and be able to like yeah, it, man so by the way I want to mention BDNF you ever heard of it brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's this chemical that that is released, especially when you're fasting and when you're actually giving your microbes the right thing. It's a a neurotransmitter for for your brain. It actually helps you be able to process more information, helps quicken the... the, the, uh, 
the um, firing between your synapses in your brain from neuron to neuron. So, and the thing is, you have about 100 million neurons in your gut itself, and you have about oh, 100 shit. million neurons through your spinal cord, and about 100 billion in the brain. So, and they all are working synergistically with one another. We know we like to think of the brain as the end-all, be-all in cognitive abilities, but if we don't have a healthy gut, we're not going to have a healthy brain. So, so if I'm taking nootropics for brain function, uh-huh. but my gut is not where it needs to be, then I'm essentially Neurotropics, just, what, what, what kinds of So just about? like... Um, Basically, like brain vitamins, I guess mm-hmm. you can get at a at like Hellspot. Mm-hmm. So I take, I just started taking this one from Nutra One, I believe it's called Focus. Okay, and I'm loving it. It like mm-hmm. helps with like the clarity of my thinking. I don't feel like whenever I drink a bunch of coffee, like I'll be blah, 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 right, right, like fast. But mm-hmm. this is is like smooth sailing, and I think clearly. Mm-hmm. If my if I'm taking that without an ideal gut biome, is that really even doing anything for me? It depends. Like the this is where it comes into like the pharmaceutical industry, where they are starting to see the efficacy of a lot of pharmaceuticals are largely dictated by the microbial populations in the gut. You've even seen with certain cancer treatments, like so, like there's this bacterial species called Acromensia. And uh, literally, they've seen the efficacy rate of chemotherapy being if it's if you. If you have a higher concentration of sacramentia, it allows you to deal with the stress of the chemotherapy itself better. So they're mm-hmm. looking into for certain patients, or you know, do better with immunotherapy, or certain do better with chemotherapy. So it's sorry. What was your original question? <laughs> I get. I mean, I go. I go all over the place. <laughs> so I'm. I'm oh yeah, with the nootropics. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the nootropics. So yeah. Hey, I mean, that's that's a field that's. Uh, it's it's just starting to largely being, you know, understood. But the nootropics, like, yeah, I mean, the microbes, I mean, when you take that pill, when you pop that vitamin or whatever, <coughs> microbes get it first. That's not your brain getting it first. Like, I mean, so they, they help digest, they help break it down, they help increase the bioavailability of the nutrients in our in our bodies. When you're consuming, my, I mean, my, need, my nutritional needs are for um, my body are going to be different from yours. This is all where it comes down to uniqueness. We're all unique in our own ways but we're all largely the same. That's how I like to put it, is like diversify diversify as one. We've got to realize that by learning that we all all have our individual needs, we all have different microbiomes that are slightly different, that break down nutrients differently. So if I take the nootropic, it may not do anything for me. But if you take it, it may do world of wonders for you. Um, In regards to physical health and mental thinking, I don't know. I've ne- I, I, I've gotten. I, I've taken like nootropics. I've taken like certain like supplements in the past. I don't take anything anymore because it's. I'll drink coffee here and there, and you know I'll. Uh, I, I really. That's. I mean, it, you know, it's. I, I've never felt better from a day to day basis. And when you're thinking for your microbes, you think for yourself. Um, so nootropics, uh, they can definitely be beneficial. I would have to see the exact ingredient list, you know, on it. Right. You know, they're not all, the, you know, the same. So, and you know, it just all depends on from company to company. So, yeah, they are going to metabolize it differently from you know myself and yours. Where does sleep fall into this? This whole overall health. So you have your microbiome. Where does sleep come in as far as like, are they affected by one another? Um, does not sleeping hurt the microbiome? Does the microbiome give you less of a need for sleep? Like, how? What's the mm-hmm. connection there? Of course, you know. I mean, like, it's a stressor. You know, I mean, it's a uh, it stresses your body when you don't get enough sleep at night. But the thing is, the amount of sleep you need, 
maybe you're not even getting the deepest sleep you could, you know, like by optimizing GABA and like a neurotransmitter in your gut by, you know, making sure you don't, you're not watching TV right before bed. I don't know if you do that or not. Or, no. Okay, good. So that's one of the biggest things, like, you know, removing blue light, you know, removing a lot of these, like you want to, you know, increase more red light if you are going to read a book or, you know, before bed, you want to make sure to be able to have optimal melatonin release, you know, to be able to get enough deep and, you know, REM sleep, you know. The average person may only need six or seven hours, but, you know, people that don't get efficient, you know, sleep that, you know, decide to watch TV right before bed, that are distracted, that are stressed. There's so many, so many, there's so many implications in it. The microbiome, like if you don't, if you don't, if you're not producing enough GABA, you're not going to be able to have this consistent sleep too as well. What's GABA? GABA is this neurotransmitter that actually helps you kind of like relax, like helps you be able to like basically, uh, just uh, get into a, into a uh, more of a sedated state at night before you go to bed. So okay. yeah, you can take it orally, but the thing is, it doesn't it doesn't work the same as if your microbes produce it themselves. Okay, so, so how can I up that? Um, you have to buy, like I said, creating uh, enough uh, short chain fatty acids, and these are the precursors to basically so many of the uh, like neurotransmitters in our in our body that we need. So increasing uh, food, well, like what, the chamomile is one of my favorites. That I don't know if you ever drink tea at night before you go to bed. I do, yeah. Okay, good. What what kind of teas do you drink? I don't know. It's just called nighttime. Yeah, like some <laughs> nighttime tea. tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, chamomile is one of the best ones I like consuming at night. Uh, Rubos is good. Anything with, of course, no caffeine. So right. um, I. Try to only consume like caffeine, you know, earlier in the day, and you know, especially in regards to sleep, you know, uh, maybe I mean I try to I try to get you know pretty clean seven to eight hours, you know, um, my girlfriend right now we got we are on a pretty uh, I my whole regimen has changed in regards to my sleeping patterns, so it's it's been quite a, like by changing your sleeping patterns too quickly can be almost too stressful. So it's one of those things that you want to make sure, hey, if, if you know, a lot of people, you know, still enjoy their time watching TV before bench. So maybe cut it off like five, 10 minutes prior instead. You know, it's kind of like a weaning on a program to everyone. By, by weaning on to a dietary program, it's not too stressful on your body. Any type of stress, if it's chronic, if you're trying to adapt to a new sleeping regimen, adapt to a new job, adapt to a new diet, you're going to run into issues. So it's all about, uh, you ever heard of hormesis? I've heard of it. I have no no clue what it is. You should is. really check into it. Hormesis is one of the prevailing terms in basically adapting. It's basically evolving to a like to a certain. So when I lift weights mm-hmm. and when I push my muscles, um, I'm basically causing small micro tears in the muscles right. that allows as long as they're small and micro and not large ones that right. actually cause injuries. But all we're doing is creating small micro injuries, and our bodies basically that pain that you feel that that next day you're ripping apart your muscles mm-hmm. and if you do it hormetically you do it slow gradually you're able to produce a positive effect it grows back stronger to be able to handle the stresses of its environment so all hormesis is is slow gradual adaptations to a given toxin that allows you to get a benefit out of it and that's the same same like cold shock therapy same as like cold if as, Wim Hof I want to go back to him he's yeah especially in regards to pushing your body a lot of people think oh like being in the cold like is brutal and you know but look at the kind of lifestyles we live we're sitting here in a 70 degree office probably just chilling it's too easy. right it's too easy you know and so that means we're not burning calories efficiently too a lot of people don't look at the standpoint 
hey, maybe a big reason for our obesity epidemic or overweightness is because we're always living in comfortable temperature controlled environments. Yes, and that means we don't, ha- and that means we don't have to overheat. And that with overheating, and we're uh, that causes us to not be hungry, even of itself. When we're too cold, we're shivering. We're burning like twice as many calories. So when we used to do that all the time, and it, like I mean, now we're just sedentary, and we're inside these offices, and we're not you know, pushing ourselves, you know, I always tell people just like, just try, you know, 10 seconds in a cold shower, you know, 10, you know, just a minute, you know, a a minute of sauna exposure, you know, and just gradually work that into your routine. We're not talking about just one simple fix. We're talking about a whole life fix, Mm -hmm. you know, fixing how you look at life because the microbiome when it in like pushing your body and doing all these things has become implementary things in my life. And it's changed me for the better in so many ways. So I do a sauna every Sunday for about 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Is that doing any harm or good for my for my system? Yeah, so I've ever heard of like heat shock and cold shock proteins. Yeah, I've heard, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have these cellular process in your body that um, basically, it's like hormesis. They respond to small stresses. So say if, if you go outside and you know this, what, 60 degree weather right now without a shirt, you know, you may, you know, you know, shiver a little bit, but doing that for like five minutes, you know, the first time, then maybe 10 minutes the next time your body adapts, your body's strong and resilient and and, your body will do great things for you if you take care of it. If you gradually incorporate like larger and larger stresses, but, um, the heat, the sauna is very beneficial, especially in, uh, they've even seen like higher concentration of HGH being released when you're, when you're actually in a sauna, especially post-workout. So your body's actually able to repair itself quicker. It's able to, re- to, re- to reduce more inflammation. So you don't want to do it for too long because you don't want too much stress. Too mm-hmm. much stress, of course, it's going to start becoming, you're going to raise your cortisol too much. And, you know, I mean, you want to have a fine balance between all your hormones. If you have too much cortisol, the stress hormone, you're going to be more likely to ha- cause a lot higher inflammatory responses in your body. So a little bit of sauna work, maybe, hey, if you never do, don't do a sauna, do it five minutes the first time. Then maybe try up to six or seven minutes. You know, push yourself just a little bit more so it's not that, you know, gratuitous. You don't want to – I always tell people, hey, if, if you haven't worked out in years, just get up, do one squat. That's it. Next day, do two squats when you get up. Next day, do three squats. Make it so that you do the some little exercise habit every single day, whether it be a couple push-ups or a couple squats, and your body's gonna your body's gonna crave it eventually. I crave that every single yeah. day because like without exercise, I get depressed, I get anxious. I, I understand why people get to where they are these days, especially with the amount of stress that they have in their lives, their disconnections from the people that you know that social media is taking a whole new reins of different you know how we interact with people. We think we're being more social but we're not right and we're also losing the social ability of passing off microbes to one another and so that's one of those <laughs> that's one that people definitely don't think about right <laughs> so all right i like where you're heading with the so do the one squat a day do two squats second day mm-hmm. what about for improving our microbiome what's that one squat that we can start with today um let's see um well how about when you go home from work you know you uh you maybe I know you want to sit down on that couch, you know. I know you want to, you know, reach for that, you know, little treat because you know you've been working hard all day, and you know, I mean, you've been, you know, busting ass, which I understand. But you know, maybe think about for every little treat that you have, you maybe like, uh, you do maybe like ten, you do like t- ten or twenty squats, or you for every treat you have, if if you're eating a bad diet from day to day, I would recommend just you know, if you eat eat something bad every day. 
but also followed up with something good. So followed up with just like, you know, carrots and hummus or, you know, just like a banana and almond butter or something that is still like snack worthy that still, you know, you can incorporate there's still a decent amount of fiber in there. You can, you know, that's one of the big nuggets is just like small, small changes lead to small changes every day lead to amazing capabilities in the long run. Just think if you've made one small change. Or you just got home and did, you know, did five squats or you did, you know, I mean, you ate like, you know, one extra vegetable or maybe a little bit of apple cider vinegar, which is also a probiotic too as well. So it already has beneficial bacterial species. And if you go for apple cider vinegar, make sure to get with the mother, which is basically the bacterial strain that's in the, yeah. um, within the uh, apple cider vinegar itself. Um, so that, that's one of the biggest things I'd probably tell people is maybe if you can stand it, just consume some apple cider vinegar, especially before bed at night. Can that's help, an easy one. Yeah, it can help calm down your, uh, calm down your cravings for foods. Really? You know? okay. mm-hmm, for sure. Nice. To a very large degree. And I always wake up, you know, with apple cider vinegar and it's a nice little, just like, it gives me a nice little jolt. I mean, uh, it's, it, for me, it's comparable to coffee in regards to being able to not even think, have to think about food for one, because if you think about it. With as much as we think about food all day, it distracts us from our work. It distracts us from being able to pay attention. Hey, we get hangry. Yeah, you know? I get hangry all the time. <laughs> right? You're not you when you're hangry, right? Yeah. I mean, Grab a Snickers. Right, right. Or yeah. an apple cider vinegar. <laughs> and that was one actually my recent post that uh, I uh, put on my uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm at Feel Good Assist, by the way. So, and I promote like all the latest up to date nutritional information in regards to just like, you know, being able to become, you know, a better you to feel better than you've ever felt in your life. Because, you know, I've, I'm only 28, don't get me wrong. And, you know, I mean, I still got a lot of years to live, but I plan on living fucking well, like, yeah. damn well, man. Like it's, uh, it's, a, it's a treat to be able to fill your life with vitality and the people around you, especially if you go with the good intentions of knowing how beneficial we can all be at our best with the right dietary regimens including our microbes like the microbiome is it is uh it's change is it is changing the way we look at ourselves in regards to um genetically speaking who we are as people you know we're basically all the same man you know that's need, great yeah and i i think you, you've since since i've known you it's just like maybe three or four years you've become a living embodiment about what this, this research that you're doing, you've become a living embodiment mm-hmm. of that and like the energy that you be always the change you have. Wish to see in this world. Yeah. Man. It's uh, it's great to see. And yeah, like, like you said, so we can find you on Instagram at feel good assist. Yeah. At feel good assist. Yeah. I just recently got within the past year or so, you know, I'm still like working my way into the social media and just like, uh, just trying to get the information out there, man. I, I know it's, I, in full realization, it's the most vital field known to man, and we're only scraping the surface. Like, we're in the golden age of discovering this stuff because literally, like I said, we didn't know this before 15 years ago, and how cool is it to discover? It's reuniting my lost sense of discovery that I, was, that I had when I was a kid, when I was told to pay attention and do everything and not think outside of the box. I'm now learning from the greatest minds of, and I'm reading textbooks. I'm re- I read everything I can on on the microbiology of how, who we are as human beings. If you want to, if you want to know about your psychology, you gotta know about your microbiology, and that's essential if you want to know who you are as a human being and what you have the potential to do. So you can be told to eat this. I can tell you to consume apple cider vinegar. I can tell you to you know get better sleep, to work out more. But if you don't know why you're doing it, then what's the point? Like you, you gotta, you gotta go with the full intentions, knowing you can change and you can be whoever you want to be in this life. Amen. That's a great place to stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I want to have you back. Uh, we'll get you back on here in like the next uh, couple months. But yeah, man, I've learned man. so much in this conversation. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, I learned from you too, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Yep. Cool. All right. Thank you for listening. 
we're definitely going to have Lucas back. This was <laughs> awesome. I hope you learned something because I definitely did. All right, take it easy. Yep, have a good day, man. Wait till I get my money right. Get my money right.